This morning we will be in Revelation chapter 20, so let me invite you to turn there with me. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. The story is told of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of the most influential preachers of the 20th centuries. He died in 1981. When he was dying of cancer, one of his friends and associates asked him, how are you managing to bear up? You've been accustomed to preaching several times a week. You've become you've begun important Christian enterprises. Your influence is extended through tapes and books and and they have reached to five continents. And now, Dr. Jones, you have been put on the shelf. You're reduced to sitting quietly, sometimes managing a little editing. I'm not asking you so much, Dr. Jones, how you're coping with the disease itself. Rather, how are you coping with the stress of being out of the swim of things? And Lloyd-Jones responded in the words of Luke 10, Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your name is written written in heaven. And um, so, so when we think about how God is using us in in our day, what is it that drives us to serve God? Is it the notoriety, the recognition that comes from serving God and others? Is it the potential or the possibility for a high position so that we can be known even more? Is it the spread of our own fame? Is it the praise of people? We would serve our churches so much better if we would serve them without dispute over who gets the praise. That is, who, which human gets the praise. Lloyd-Jones understood this. It wasn't about him. He was thankful just to, be, to have his name written in the book of life. When we look at the final judgment of all mankind, we feel the gravity of the choices that we make on this earth. We should be filled with joy that those who have trusted in Christ alone for their salvation have their names written in the book of life and the second death has no power over them. Sure, there are joys of serving God. Sure, there are joys of of expanding His fame, spreading His fame. But the greatest joy should be, like Lloyd-Jones said, that His name was written in the book of life. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15 will be our focus this morning. So let me read those verses, beginning with verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. 
God judges according to deeds. In this passage here, we have a courtroom setting with, with the judge putting on trial those who have opposed Him. It's called the great white throne judgment according to verse 11. And so John has this vision following the, the millennial kingdom, following the tribulation. The tribulation is over. Christ has come. He's reigned on the earth for a thousand years. At the end of that kingdom, Satan will come with, and, and will be released from the abyss, you remember. And he will be allowed to, to deceive those who have not turned in faith to Jesus Christ during that time. And, and so he will gather up all these nations who are opposing Christ and, and they will all be destroyed with fire from heaven and uh, Satan will be sent to the lake of fire where he will remain forever. Following that, we have this great white throne judgment. That's why John begins, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. First thing that we need to understand when we look at this great white throne judgment is the identity of the judge. The identity of the judge. Look at John chapter 5 with me. John chapter 5. And uh, I want to show you two passages where it shows us who the, who this judge is. Okay, obviously, we know it's God, but which, which person of the Trinity are we referring to? Is this God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit? John chapter 5, verse 22. Jesus says, For not even the Father judges anyone, but He has given all judgment to the Son, so that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. One of the benefits of Jesus coming to the earth giving Himself as a sacrifice, as becoming a mediator between man and God, is that now He has the right, the privilege to become the judge of all the earth. God hands that right, that privilege over to Him. That's why verse 22 says, not even the Father judges anyone. He's given all His judgment to the Son. Now turn to Second Peter chapter 3 with me. Second Peter chapter three, verses ten through thirteen, and Peter's referring to the same period of time, and he tells us about this judgment. Second Peter three, verse ten. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat? But according to His promise, we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. The Lord will come following the tribulation and He will come as judge. The Father has handed all judgment over to the Son. The universe will come to an end. That, that, that earth and heaven will flee away. Turn back to Revelation chapter 20 because we see that the earth and heaven do 
pass away, the first heaven and the first earth, that is. When we're referring to heaven here, we're probably referring to the sky. Okay, we're referring to the universe, God's creation, that it, it passes away. Look at verse, uh, the end of verse 11. From whose presence, that is, from the presence of Christ, earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. The, uh, this gives way for what we're going to find here in, in chapter 21, and that is next week, and that is the, the creation of a new heaven and a new earth. We'll talk about what exactly happens to the old heaven and earth to give way for this new heaven and earth, but, but all we need to know today is that, that the old heaven and earth are destroyed by fire. And this, this, uh, the reason that they can be destroyed is because now they have given up all of the dead that exist in it. They have all been raised. We talked about this last week, that every single person will be raised from the dead. Some to life and many to death. Many to judgment. And this is the judgment that we were talking about. The location of this judgment then has to be in heaven because the earth and heaven, that is, the earth and the sky have passed away, so the heaven where God exists is where this judgment will occur. And the purpose of this great white throne judgment is found in verse 12. At the end of the verse, um, it says, And the dead were judged from the things that were written in the books. The purpose of this great white throne judgment is to judge the dead. Christ is not being arbitrary in His judgments. We're going to see that He's judging on the basis of, the end of verse 12 says, on the basis of their deeds. This is not to determine whether a person now wants to choose Christ or eternal death. That choice has already been made during their lifetime. This choice, uh, uh, this is not a choice. This is a judgment. This is a sentence based on, on, uh, on how they viewed how they responded to Christ during their lifetime. And so we have the judge, Jesus, the Son. And then the, the second, uh, I guess we could say, the second uh, group of people that we have there are, is the, uh, the, the defendants. Okay, So picture this courtroom. You have Jesus sitting at the, uh, at the front as judge. And then the defendants are the dead. That is, the dead unbelievers. Turn back to chapter 20, verse 5. It talks about the millennial kingdom, how, how uh, the, the believing dead come to life before the millennium. And they reign with Christ in verse 4. And then verse 5 says, the rest of the dead... Okay, So if all the believing dead have come to life before the millennium, who are the rest of the dead? Unbelievers, right? Dead unbelievers. The rest of the dead did not come to life until a thousand years were completed. Okay, so that's what we're, we're talking about here in chapter 21. We're talking about the dead unbelievers being judged. They stand on the defense side. They, they are being accused by God, by Christ. So, all will be raised. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. All will be raised since all have died. There are no sinners who have survived the millennial kingdom. Okay? 
There, there are no sinners who survive the tribulation. When the millennial kingdom begins, it begins with believers. But then, through the process of procreation from the tribulation survivors, there are new there are new people that are born, new children that are born, and they grow up and many of them turn away from Christ. They go through the motions, but they turn from Christ. That's these wicked people who are at the end of the millennium, who, who Satan deceives. Those people will not even survive the millennial kingdom, right? They're destroyed. They're killed with fire. And so, every single body from the very beginning of man all the way until the end of the millennium, every single body of an unbeliever will raise to be judged before Christ at this great white throne judgment. And um, and they're judged on the basis of their deeds. Notice um, in verse verse 12 there, I saw the dead. There's no... There's no exceptions here. I saw the dead great and small. doesn't matter how many good things that you did on the earth. doesn't matter how technologically advanced you were or how great you were in your business. If you did not submit to Christ in your lifetime, or in the case of the Old Testament, if you did not follow uh, God's will according to the Redeemer that He had laid out for them or revealed to them, then they are going to be judged, whether you're great or small. Notice where these bodies come from at the beginning of verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. Excuse me. Sea, death, and Hades are the location of where these dead bodies currently reside. And all three of those things, sea, death, and Hades, will give up the unbelieving dead that are there. That is, those who died at sea. Those who died on the land, these are basically synonyms, the place of the dead. Those who died and are now in Hades. And uh, so all these unbelievers will be, will be taken from their places where they now exist. Their bodies will be raised to be judged before Christ in heaven. And apparently angels will be judged around this time as well, either before, just before the great white throne or during it because Jude chapter 1, verse 6 says that God has kept them in eternal bonds until judgment on the last day or the great day. So it's probably during this time that angels, wicked angels that is, will be judged. So you have the judge, you have the defendants, and now the evidence is brought before the court. And the evidence is their deeds, their actions. And specifically, these actions are recorded in a book of deeds. It's not as if someone just remembers some of the things that happened. They're all written down. All of their wicked deeds are written down. Look at the end of verse 12. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. We'll talk about that here in a second. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books. uh, According to their deeds. And then the end of verse 13. And they were judged every one of them according to their deeds. Christ here is not judging arbitrarily as if, you know, you really rubbed me the wrong way. Here is the book of your deeds, of what you have done. And on the basis of what you have done, I have the right as judge. I am just in my judgment by sentencing you to eternal death. Apparently, what has happened is God has kept a record of every person's deeds from the time of their birth. 
Daniel had prophesied that this would happen. Listen to Daniel 7, 9 and 10. I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days, that is God the Father, took His seat. His vesture was like white snow, and His hair... Uh, and, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames and its wheels were f- a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat and the books were open. I said Ancient of Days. Should be the sun there. He's sitting on his throne. Thousands are attending to him, maybe bringing these books to him and showing him. But but the, the point at the end of the verse is that the court sat and the books were opened. It's time to look at the evidence. Of course, this evidence is not going to help them in any way. Romans chapter 3, verse 20 says, By the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So, the first thing that John sees with regard to the evidence is the book of deeds, but he also sees something else. In the middle of verse 12, it says, And another book was opened. So, this is separate from the books. And this is the book of life. We find out a little bit more about that in verse 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So, there are two categories we could say of books. One is this huge pile of books of every single person's deeds, what they had done. And then there's this other book. It's called the Book of Life. And if your name is not written in that book, then you're going to be judged on the basis of those books, on the basis of your deeds. So apparently what's happening here is Jesus is first going to the Book of Life. Is your name in there? If it's not, then let's go over to these books because I I have a book with your name on it with every single deed that you've ever done. And on the basis of those deeds, these people will be judged. Now, the content of these books include not just their deeds, but I think it includes more than that based on the whole of Scripture. Turn back to Romans chapter 2. We're turning to lots of passages this morning. Romans chapter 2, verse 16. Not only will God judge the deeds, that is the actions, that's true. Matthew 16:27 says, the Son of Man will pay, pay back every man according to his deeds. But also, Romans 2:16 tells us that He will also judge them on the basis of their thoughts. Paul writes, on the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets or the thoughts of men through Christ Jesus. On that day, their thoughts will be judged. Matthew 12.37 says, By your words you will be condemned. So it seems as if these books contain not only every action that every person has ever done, but also their words and their thoughts. On the basis of these three things, uh, we have a book, and on the basis of these three things, Christ will judge according to what's in those books. Um, So, we have the judge, Jesus Christ. We have the defendants, one by one, the unbelieving dead come before Christ to, to, to stand in judgment before Him. And the evidence is brought 
your name's not written in the book of life, but I do have a, a book full of your deeds. And so now you're going to be judged on the basis of that. And that's what we see in verses 14 and 15. And that is the sentence that is brought down by the judge. The sentence. Turn back to Revelation chapter 20, verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Death and Hades, according to verse 14, are thrown into the lake of fire. They can do that. They can be thrown now into the lake of fire because now they are of no use. That is, they uh, they have given up all their dead. They have been uh, they have been emptied of all their inhabitants. And so now you have death and Hades. That is the place of the dead now thrown into the lake of fire, which already have Satan. The, the false prophet and the Antichrist there and will be followed by each one of these dead people, dead unbelievers who are now being judged. And so this sentence is brought down based on the deeds that they have done. Turn back to Revelation chapter 18. See that God brings down retribution according to what they have done. Remember in other passages of Scripture we read that God is uh, God is the avenger that that I will avenge says the Lord okay don't don't pay back people evil for evil that's God's job he he will take care of that chapter 18 verse 6 reads pay her back speaking of Babylon pay her back even as she has paid and give back to her double according to her deeds and the cup which she has mixed mixed twice as much for her to the degree that she glorified herself and lived sensuously, to the same degree give her torment and mourning. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen, and I am not a widow, and I will never see mourning. And for this reason, one day her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning, famine, she will be burned up with fire. For the Lord God who judges her is strong. Verse 7 reads, that To the same degree that she lived sensuously, that she glorified herself, is the same degree that she ought to receive torment. That God is a retributive God. He is a vengeful God. The result of these people was that, that they will experience the second death. We talked about this uh, briefly last week, but look at verse 15 of chapter 20. Uh, excuse me, at the end of verse 14. This is the second death, the lake of, the lake of fire. That is eternal separation from God. There's no other outcome given. This shows that this judgment does not include believers. This judgment is solely for unbelievers. The only sentence that is is brought down on each of the defendants is the second death. They're all sent to the lake of fire. And apparently at this time, each one of these dead bodies who have now been raised will be given some sort of body that's able to continually die. You recognize that the bodies we currently have are not uh, equipped to eternally die. That if we were to be burned, we could be burned completely up, right? Uh, at least, uh, at least all of our flesh and and and. Uh, 
and muscles and things. But their bodies will, will have the capability, the capacity to eternally be dying. And, uh, and their bodies will be given to them at this time. Their special bodies will be given to them at this time. And as I mentioned last week, the worst part about the lake of fire is not that God is absent. God is absent in a special way. The worst part about God is that He is there. That, that He is there and He reigns there as judge. That there will be no escape from this eternal fire. The worst part about hell is that His special presence, that His abundant long-suffering, His kindness, His grace will not be there. They will not be able to experience any of His favor. And so, we have this culmination in human history where Christ raptures His church, followed by the tribulation on the earth, this seven-year period where the earth will be... um, the people on the earth will be destroyed for their rebellion against God. And then Christ will come to reign as King to show that He really is the King. And that period will be followed by the new heavens... Uh, excuse me, that period will be followed by the Millennial Kingdom, the 1,000-year reign of Christ. We, we touched on that briefly last week. Following that kingdom is the great white throne judgment. At that point, Christ now has proved that He is... He is the king, that he owns the kingdom, that, that this is his world. And now that he has defeated all of these enemies of his at the end of the kingdom, at the, at the great white throne judgment, he can now hand the kingdom back over to God. The reason I know that is because of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Turn there with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse twenty-five. How long must Christ reign? Verse twenty-five reads: For he must reign until he has put all his enemies enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that will be abolished is death. Christ reigns as King from the beginning of the millennium to the end of the millennium. And then he, then he judges all these people. And the last enemy that He puts to death is death itself. No longer does death have its power over us. No longer does death have its power over anyone who is not in the lake of fire. So, from our passage in Revelation, we learn that there are only two types of books. There are the book of deeds the books of deeds, and then there's the book of life. What you should notice is that there is no book of death. That is, God does not have a book where everybody's name is written who will spend an eternity in hell. God doesn't have a book like that. There's nowhere in the Scripture that it, that it, it speaks in that way because as Dr. Alpha McLean writes, God does not elect to damnation. Each person makes a choice that sends them to that damnation, that condemnation. Matthew 25, verse 34 proves this further, that the kingdom, that the kingdom that Christ is coming to reign in is prepared for people. But the lake of fire is prepared for Satan and his demons. That is, 
Everyone has an opportunity uh, through the understanding of the gospel. They have the capacity to understand the gospel and 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 have the opportunity to enter into this kingdom, but many will not. Many will be destroyed with Satan and his demons. God elects to life, not to death. Each person chooses his own fate. So, the obvious uh, point of application or implication is that we should not be a part of this judgment. Turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. John had said earlier, as we looked at last week in his book, blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power but they will be priests of God and Christ and will reign with Him for a thousand years. The second death has no power over those who are in Christ. So, if we want to avoid this judgment, this horrible judgment that we've been considering this morning, then, then, then we, we have to respond to the Savior. There are only two ways that, that God can see our evil deeds. They can either be seen as our own, as that, that we take responsibility for that book of ours, that book of deeds that we have, and pay for our sins eternally in hell. Or, as Colossians 2, 13 and 14 tell us, they can be paid in full by Christ. Chapter 2, verse 13. When you were dead in your transgressions and the circumcision of your flesh... He made you alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of death consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. The way that you get your book of deeds taken away, that is, paid in full for you, it's as if, Christ takes with His own blood, takes your book of deeds and writes on it with His own blood, paid in full. The only way that that can happen is if Christ nails it to the cross. That's one of the things that His cross, His cross work does for us. It takes that book of deeds, no matter how thick yours is or how thin you think it is, Christ nails it to the cross, or God nails it to the cross with Christ, rendering it Ineffective. That is, it's not useful for us. It's not going to come into judgment against us. Even though we were responsible for all those things, Christ took that book and nailed it, and nailed it to the cross with Himself. So how do we avoid this judgment? The way that we avoid this judgment is we have to have our names written in the book of life. That's what Revelation 20, verse 15 says. That if a person's name was not found written in the book of life... He's thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Now, we can't write our name in, our, in God's book, can we? No. Uh, the names are already written. In fact, in other places it says this book of life has been given since the foundation of the world. We don't have access to that book. We can't even see our own name in there. So, so the only way we can have assurance that our name is written into the, in the book the only way that we can know for sure that our names are written down in heaven, like Lloyd-Jones said, is to respond to the Gospel with re repentance and faith. 
final passage, let me have you turn to John chapter 3. The way that you avoid judgment is by believing the Son. You avoid judgment by believing the Son. John chapter 3, let's begin in verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. He who believes in Him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Okay, John 3.18 tells us clearly, clearly, the way that we avoid that great white throne judgment is to believe on the Son. He who believes in Him is not judged. You want to know that your name is written down in heaven? You want to know that you're going to avoid that final judgment before Christ? Where He brings up all the book of your deeds and reads it before you and shows you that it was wrong and that you are worthy of death? Then you must believe in the Son. You must believe in the Son. And so if you haven't done that, if you are not doing that, then I urge you strongly to believe in Him today. If you believe in your heart that He died, that He he was risen from the, the dead, that He now lives for you, that He has ascended on high, that He is enough to pay for your sins, then, then you will be spared from that judgment. This should provide a sobering reminder of the holiness of God. That those who sin against God must suffer the consequences of their sin. It's not a pretty picture. It's not a pretty thought to have, is it? Consider the judgment of Christ in that final day. But it should remind us of how holy our God is and how much He hates sin. And as Hebrews says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So it should sober us to, to pursue greater holiness. And then finally, it should, it should cause us to warn the lost. It, it should encourage us to warn the lost. This should encourage us to to warn the unbelieving of the consequences of their sin. The judgment is coming. We we like to minimize that in our gospel presentation. And I don't think we ought to overemphasize it, but a person does need to recognize that, that there is judgment coming. That this judgment is real and that everyone will be judged on the basis of their sin. They may be living a life that is full of pleasure right now. They may not have a whole lot of opposition. They may feel as if if, if life is is all just uh, just just dreamy for them. But they have, but they have to recognize that judgment is coming, that God is serious about sin, and that no amount of good works can can tip the scales of God's justice when He looks at their sin. That God judges on the basis of deeds. And He's not going to determine how many good things are in your book. What He's going to determine is whether or not your name was in that book. Whether your name was written in the book of life. And the only way it will have been written in the book of life is if uh, if you have believed in the Son. And so I would encourage you to 
to warn the lost. Help them to recognize that God, God's favor shines on those who respond to the Gospel. God's favor shines on those who respond to the Gospel. So here is the Gospel message. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose from the grave. He proved that He is God. And now He lives to intercede for His people. And all He asks of you is that you recognize your sin for what it is and respond in faith, believing that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, we are grateful that You have all things under control. And as Your will is being done in Heaven, so may it be done on earth. That it's unhindered in any way by uh, that is, your desire is unhindered in any way by Satan's schemes, his desire to to take believers away, to, to to cause unbelievers to stop pursuing the gospel. Thankful that that one day, just like everything that you desire in heaven happens, so on earth it will be the same. And we are sober to think of this final judgment where Jesus Christ will reign as judge and He will uh, sentence all those who have opposed Him, we are sobered by it because we recognize that we should be standing in judgment before Him. That we deserve to pay for our own deeds. But You have chosen us before the foundation of the world. You have given us the ability, the eyes to see the truth of the Gospel, to recognize its significance, Spirit has changed our hearts to accept Him and to believe. And so we, we say, as was played earlier, can it be, how can it be that, that Jesus Christ would do such a thing? That He would die for our gain? We pray that You would help us to be sober in our lives, that we would recognize our need for holiness and greater uh, greater godliness. We pray that You would help us to keep at the front of our minds the judgment from which we have been spared. And if there are any here who have not uh, recognized the truth of the Gospel and have not responded to it and don't know for sure if they're going to be a part of that judgment or not, I pray that You would work in their hearts today. Help them to believe in the Son so that they will not be condemned. Thank You for the promises that come through Your Word and the promises to which we can hold on to with dear life. We pray that You would strengthen our resolve to, to do more for You, to love You more, and to serve You with a greater motive and greater obedience. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.